Good morning, everyone. Oh, I hope you're doing well. It's really good just to have these moments together. And I've got to say, I think this has been a great series we've been working on together on a Sunday morning. Uh, encounters that Jesus had with other people and what we can learn ourselves from those encounters. But up to this point, what we've had is we've had Jesus meeting up with one individual. So to this point, we've had Jesus meeting John the Baptist, then Nicodemus, and then the Samaritan woman. Now today, we are going to cover two encounters, but in one talk. So that means we've got an opportunity here to compare and to contrast as Jesus meets two different people on two different occasions, we can identify together the similarities, but also the differences. And I think we can learn from both. So if we can have the next picture on uh, the screen. Now, you know how this works, don't you? Similarities, but spot the difference. There are five differences. What are they? Shout them out. Okay, I've heard bird. There's a, a robin. It's a robin, in fact, if you want to be more specific. But bird, bird will do. <laughs> so something came from here. The football. The football is different. The flower on the girl's top, that's three. Door number. Um, yes, the uh, door number is the same number, but it's the background and the number itself, different colours. Ah, oh, it is. I thought that might take a bit longer to get. <laughs> it, I've got to be honest, and this is embarrassing, it took me ages to get the fifth one. Uh, the, the very top window uh, is just the position. The one on the left is slightly to the left, and the other one is central. Well, look, I've got to say, you did very well. So I think we are going to be good today, I think, at spotting the differences between two different Jesus encounters. So let's do that. As I read from the Bible, and in particular from the fourth gospel, the gospel of John, then let's spot the differences and the similarities. This is John chapter 4 and verse 46. Once more, Jesus visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. I'll pause there just for a moment because the reference here was to a miracle that Jesus had done when at a wedding in Cana, he actually turned water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus replied, You may go. Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. 
While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, the fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and all his household believed. Now into chapter 5, this is the second encounter that Jesus had with an individual. Chapter 5, verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And let me just interject at that point, because it seems that uh, there was this story that when the water was stirred, the first person to get down into the water would be healed. So that was what the reference seems to be. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. And we'll stop the reading there. There's more story after that. But just for this morning, that will suffice. So what I want us to do is, first of all, let's clock the similarities between these two Jesus encounters. The first one I want to mention is that Jesus comes across an individual and he impacts their lives for good. So don't think that you can ever have an encounter with Jesus and then be left worse off. It doesn't happen. It will always be for the better. And often in very, very surprising ways. So there's a similarity. Two different people, two different encounters. But Jesus encountered this individual on both cases. And they went away. And Jesus had impacted their lives for good. The other obvious similarity here is that both occasions involved this wonderful miracle of healing. And again, I think we have to accept that Jesus is caring for our whole being, our mind, our soul, and our body. Jesus cares for us, for the whole person that we are. So he was more than interested, but caring about these individual people and the needs that they came to him with. 
But there is another similarity which might not seem so obvious, although I think you can see it there. And in fact, this similarity, in all honesty, is, is the thrust of my talk today. Jesus replied, this was to the royal official, you may go, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. I think there's a lovely attitude here of the royal official. He took Jesus at his word. He did what Jesus said. I think the lame man did the same. Now, I know it's a bit of an assumption on my part, but I wonder if this is what happened. There's Jesus with this lame man, and he asks him, do you want to be well again? And the man responds with an explanation as to why he can't get down into the water and receive healing. And then Jesus effectively gives this man a command, an instruction. And isn't that what Jesus did in the first story? He gave the official a command, an instruction. You may go. Your son will live. And the official followed that instruction. He went. And sure enough, the boy became well again. Jesus instructs the man, the lame man, get up. Pick up the mat that you're lying on and walk. And notice that the man doesn't respond with a, don't be ridiculous. I can't walk. I've just told you. I'm lame. I think there was something so special about this encounter. Something so special about this man who was talking to him that when the instruction, if you like, was given, get up and walk, I think he just felt in himself, yes, I will. I will get up. And he stands. And he's healed. He can walk again. And so this is this morning's message. And it's simple. It's not really complicated. Take Jesus at his word. Do what Jesus says. Sometimes Jesus' word to us is, as on these two occasions, an instruction. Here's an example. Jesus speaks to his followers and he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. There's an instruction to his followers. Go into all the world, make disciples and baptize them. Do you know it was just two weeks ago we had a baptism here. Were you here? Oh, what a wonderful occasion as we baptized Desmond. I gotta say, 
I think it was such a celebration. So much joy from that occasion. I felt that that occasion, that Sunday afternoon, baptizing Desmond, I think it did us good as a church. I do. And actually, when we baptize Jesus' followers then we are following the command that Jesus gave us. We're we're going along with the instruction that he has left us with to go and make disciples and baptize them. i got to say, I felt that that occasion two weeks ago did us so much good. I'd be very keen if we could open the baptistry again and baptize someone else. Not just for the sake of it, but because you realize I'm a follower of Jesus What was Jesus' instruction? Not just go and make disciples. It was go and make disciples and baptize them. So hands up. I want to be baptized now. And I don't know. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you've never been baptized. I'll tell you what. Have a chat with us, won't you? Because we'd love to do it again with you. What good that will do us as a community, as a family, as a church together. Sometimes Jesus' word to us is an instruction. Sometimes his word to us is an invitation. Here's an example. Come to me. All of you, you're weary, you're burdened. Come to me and I will give you rest. Can you see this? This is Jesus' word to us now. Remember, we're thinking about taking Jesus at his word. His word to us now, not so much an instruction, more an invitation. Come to me. I'll give you rest. How gentle, how kind, how loving. Thirdly, Jesus' word sometimes comes to us, and it's an inspiration. Let me give you another example. Jesus said to his disciples, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must now love one another. You see, he is the inspiration. He is saying to them, look, I've loved you. Now I want you to do the same. You love one another. And this is an inspiration. Jesus inspires us through his word, through his works. And we are inspired by who he is. And somehow his word comes and it's more of an inspiration. Just as I've done it, now you do it. Let me inspire you. And I think this is just wonderful. Jesus inspires us to do something because he has done it himself. Fourthly, I think Jesus' word comes to us and often it's an illustration. So here's Luke chapter 10. Jesus speaking. He's speaking to a lawyer in effect and says, look, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. The expert in the law replied, well, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do the same. So Jesus gives this illustration. It's a story. 
And there's this Jewish man who's left half dead by robbers. And although highly religious fellow Jews have come along the way, they've just walked past and ignored him. And it was a Samaritan man, effectively an enemy of the Jews, who took pity on this Jewish man and attended to his needs. And Jesus says, that's it. Now you go and do the same. And so Jesus often, his word to us is an illustration, a story. That's why I love it when often people will come to the front, even on a Sunday morning as we're worshipping, and say, look, I've got this picture in my mind. Can I, can I share it? It might be for someone here. It's a picture. It might be a word. It might be a, an an actual picture, an object, something they've noticed during the week. And they'll share that. It's an illustration. And it can be prophetic. It can be really relevant to one person or to all of us together. So there are four ways I think Jesus' word comes to us. And what's the point of all of this? We should take Jesus at his word. And do the same. Isn't it interesting that last week, if you were here, Sue Allen spoke about Jesus meeting with a Samaritan woman. And I've just recounted another story that Jesus told about a Samaritan who helped an enemy, a Jewish person. We often refer to that story Jesus told as the story of the good Samaritan. Anyway, have a listen to that talk. And if you want to know more of that story, it really is worth listening to. Jesus often used stories and illustrations to bring his word to us. It's interesting, isn't it? Our first reading today began with Jesus visiting Cana again. The same place he had been before. And he had performed a miracle of turning water into wine. Now, we haven't got time to unpack that story, but that's the story. And what intrigues me and has relevance to our topic today is that it was at the wedding that Jesus' mother, and this is me reading from John 2, Jesus' mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And they did. And the miracle happened. So again, just that example to us. Take Jesus at his word. Do what he says. So Jesus encounters these individuals. But as he encounters each one, can I say this? He gives dignity to the person. He recognizes their individual needs. He treats them on a one-to-one basis. So in that context, what we kind of find is Jesus doesn't do mass market. He doesn't do group emails. He doesn't put a comment on a WhatsApp group. He sees the person. He sees the one. And I think quite naturally... We know we're all different. Every one of us different to each other. And as we've been considering today two individual people who encounter Jesus, then of course 
There are similarities, we've looked at that, but there are also differences, and I want to highlight just a few of them. The first one is the difference of person. The first encounter, Jesus met a royal official. So it's got to be a fair assumption this was someone of authority, of position, of wealth. But the second encounter, Jesus met a lame man. Now, this would have been a poor beggar. You couldn't have been furthest from two ends of the scale. And yet, Jesus acknowledges them both. We know Jesus is not biased. He is not prejudiced. He sees the person. Regardless of their background, their situation. But what I will add is that Jesus also knew what was happening around him. He knew that it was the vulnerable, the poor, the ill, the different, who on the whole were disregarded, rejected, cast aside. And so I'm not surprised that the majority of encounters, Jesus seems to come alongside the vulnerable person. I think that's lovely. And I kind of feel God's word to us, Jesus' word to us is, I want you to do the same. Take Jesus at his word. Do what Jesus says. The benefits of doing that are huge. And they're life-changing. There's also the difference of prayer. In the one case, there was a request on the part of another. It was the royal official asking for the needs of his son. In the other case, it's the man bringing his own need to Jesus. I'm, I'm lame. I can't walk. And Jesus is so good with us coming for our own selves and also for the needs of others. And I think there's a, just a lovely example of prayer that we do sometimes have to pray for ourselves. We do sometimes have to pray for others. And Jesus is good with both. And then there's the difference of proximity. Notice how in the first case, Jesus healed a boy 25 miles away at Capernaum. And in the second, Jesus heals a man face to face. So, distance is no object, Jesus. I love that. So, in our time together, we've compared and contrasted these two stories, two Jesus encounters. We've noted the similarities. We've noted some of the differences. And in all of that, the key message is just the same. Take Jesus at his word. Do what Jesus says. But I want to make one final observation from these two encounters. And I'm going to close with this. It's the one of timing. The lame man was healed instantly. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And the man did that. The healing was instant. But actually, so was the official's son. He was healed instantly. At a distance, yes. Not face to face, no. 
but healed instantly at that moment. Now, don't misunderstand me by making this point. I don't think it's fair. I don't actually think it's right or accurate to say that when we pray for healing, it always comes in this life or it always happens instantly. I think we know that's not the case, don't we? How many times have you prayed for healing and it just doesn't seem to come? How many times have you prayed for another and it doesn't seem to come? So that's not the point I'm making. But what I do want to say is just the lovely example that sometimes when we pray, the answer comes immediately or quickly. Sometimes it happens. I think it's lovely that the servants came to the royal official and said, look, you know, your, your boy's better now. And then they get talking and they work out that the moment he started to get better, it was the same moment that Jesus had said to him, go on your way, your son will live. I'm always inspired when I pray or when I hear of others praying. When their example is, I prayed, and the answer came immediately. It always inspires me. Does it inspire you too? In fact, when I think of the timing of prayer relating to the need, I keep thinking back to the 17th of February, 2018. Angela and I were traveling home from Plymouth. We'd been visiting family. And we were listening to worship music in the car. And a song came up, and it was that lovely song, Lord, I Come to You. Do you know the one I mean? Lord, I come to you. That one, yeah, sorry. <laughs> and I remember saying to Angela, do you know that song, I Know, is one of Jean's favorites. Now, for those who don't know Jean, she was a long-standing member of this church and sadly passed away in 2020. For those of you who did know Jean, well, you will remember her well, I'm sure. So, as I mentioned, well, this is Jean's, or one of Jean's favorite songs. Um, Angela took that as a prompt from God to pray for her. You know you can pray even when you're driving. A little bit of care, mind. <laughs> but you can pray when you're driving. When we got home, we found that the light on our landline phone was flashing to indicate there was a message. We listened to the message as we got into the house. Would you believe it? It was Jean Smith. And she had left this message saying, please will you pray for me? I think I'm under spiritual attack. That's Jean. <laughs> When we talked to Jean, she recounted her story to us. So this is how it went. In the afternoon, she'd gone to bed just for a nap. Well, she's ancient of days even then. Um, and 
When she woke, she felt that the wall right next to her bed was shaking. And she just felt, oh, I'm, I'm under some sort of spiritual attack. And that's why she rang us. But we weren't home, so she left a message. I mean, was it a spiritual attack or was it something else? Well, actually, that evening on the news, there came a report that that afternoon there had actually been a small earthquake in Swansea that was felt in Bristol. Now, I don't know. Was that what Jean felt or was she under spiritual attack? Well, look, it doesn't matter because the point of this is simply... Jean appreciated the fact that though she didn't get through to us and just left a message on our phone, that we were able to say, actually, we were praying for you at that moment, but we were in a car and we hadn't heard your message. And that meant the world to her. And it means the world to us, actually. And I think it's just lovely, isn't it, when you hear of those stories of you pray and there is an immediate answer to that prayer. It doesn't always happen. No, it doesn't. But sometimes it does. And I think we're meant to share that together to inspire us and encourage us. Look, it's all too easy for me to stand here with this one message. Take Jesus at his word. Do what Jesus says. But I know that that can still be hard. We know Jesus is trustworthy. We know his word is truth. We know his word to us is life-giving, life-changing, and we can take him at his word. We can do what he said, and it will be for our good. We know that, don't we? I hope we do. But it can still be hard. Sometimes we're full of doubts full of questions. Sometimes the pain we're experiencing clouds our vision of Jesus and we struggle to take Jesus at his word. Let's just acknowledge that in all honesty. We know we can. We know we should. But sometimes it's just hard. I just wanted to acknowledge that at the very end. I I wonder if sometimes we're like that other father who came to Jesus on the part of his son and his son kept having convulsions and in their conversation the father said to Jesus I do believe help me overcome my unbelief it sounds contradictory doesn't it but I think we get this don't we I think we understand that feeling I do believe Lord but would you help me when I don't when I can't when it's just so hard I think we get that and so I do want to offer as we close our service we're going to have some worship Um, if if we can pray with you and pray for you we would love to do that these seats at the front are generally always empty so if you'd like someone to come and pray with you come to the front might take some courage to do that sit on one of the seats we'll spot you The appeal is always to our church leaders and small group leaders. If you see someone and they seem to intentionally have come to the front and sat on a seat, would you notice them and come alongside them and offer to pray with them? Maybe you're saying, actually, I'm ill. I'd like some healing, actually. We'd love to pray for you. Or maybe it's someone else you know 
and you want to pray for them and, and, and invite us into praying for them too. We'd love to do that. Or it could be for anything at all. If you would like us to pray for you. That's what the official did. He prayed. Jesus, my son is ill. Would you heal him? The lame man, he prayed. Jesus, I'm lame. I want to walk. So the encouragement is to pray. And as we do so, to take Jesus at his word and to do what he says. I'm going to invite the band just to come up and lead us now in our closing worship together. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, just want to thank you so much that we can trust you implicitly in terms of everything that you say to us. Help us, Lord, to take you, Jesus, at your word, to do what you say, knowing we can, and it will do us good to do just that. And at the same time, Lord, where we say, yes, Lord, we do believe, but help us in our unbelief, help us in our doubts, help us with our questions, help us when we can't see you clearly because we're struggling, we're in pain, life is so difficult just now, and yet you look upon us with love and mercy and grace and kindness. So we bless you, Jesus. We can take you at your word. Help us to learn to do just that as we worship you now. In your name, amen.